Lent is the one time of the year where everyone goes all legalistic about our faith. The most common question I get asked by Catholics and non-Catholics is, can I eat meat today? An American who just moved to Canada asked me if in Canada it was required to not eat meat on Fridays. Another person asked me if pork was considered red meat. Really? People, giving up meat on Fridays is good. But you're missing the point. Lent is a time when we're supposed to get rid of the stuff that gets in the way between us and God. Fasting, prayer, and almsgiving are disciplines that help us focus on what's essential. Jesus went into the desert because in the desert is where we have the bare minimum. We get rid of the stuff we don't need, the extras, so that we can focus on the essentials, so we can focus on our relationship with God. It's not about eating meat or not eating meat. You should give stuff up and it should be a sacrifice. It should hurt a little. If you can't come up with anything better or that is specific to where you are in your spiritual life, then the church suggests giving up red meat on Fridays. But it's just a suggestion. Besides, we should be focusing on our relationship with God all the time. So prayer, fasting, and almsgiving is a year-round discipline. Remember Psalm 51. You do not delight in sacrifice. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Saltamite Hour. Hello and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro and joining me here today is Jermaine Bagnell. Jermaine, it's good to see you. Hello, hello. Good to see you. It's oh. uh, been too long and I guess Happy New Year. Yeah, I know. I was just going to say that we probably haven't spoken since before Christmas and we're mm. already here in Lent. I I know. it's Isn't that crazy? It's time to start planning on what we're going yeah, to what are you gonna give up or take for, for Lent. Exactly. I know if you're, if uh, you sound like you're like me, like it takes like two weeks into Lent before we try to <laughs> zero in on one thing that we want to get about, give up. Um, yeah, exactly. I'm not quite, I, I'll be honest. I'm not quite sure what I'm going to give up, but I'm thinking on what I will take on, which I've tried before, but maybe what I'll take on is doing the rosary every day see i was just talking about that about yeah. about the the, the 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 i guess the tension between giving something up and taking something on and that sometimes taking something on is a little more at least for me i feel like uh, like i'm doing something instead of taking something away um i like that idea doing the rosary every day yeah I, yeah I, i'm thinking that the other option is to like i don't know give up netflix or something for 40 days I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not quite sure i'm not quite sure depends if you're ready to cancel your uh like like most canadians <laughs> ready to cancel your netflix uh, account exactly uh, lent is just the that that little extra push that maybe some of us need yeah <laughs> anyway germaine today we're going to be joined by mark matthews he's our hollywood undercover missionary and he's got news he's he he gives us sometimes news about hollywood but sometimes he gives us that kind of little sort of technology news and he's here today to tell us about he wants to talk about our artificial intelligence and chatbots. Ah, uh, yes, yes, those are very hot topics, especially Bing as of late. Yes, I know you've heard, so I'm going to ask him about about that uh, in case our listeners are haven't heard about uh, the uh, chatbots that seem to uh, respond with uh, emotion. Can can we say that? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, I guess we could say that. I, I guess we should also, hopefully, you know, our listeners don't think the end is nigh with no. the rise of AI. We just all all need to be reminded it's a tool for us to use, much like, you know, when we first got the hammer. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's what Mark is going to absolutely say, because he has spoken about artificial intelligence before. And and yes, the end is not nigh. It's a tool that's that's uh, can be used for good. And I'm sure it can be used for not so good also. Anyway, so that's in about five minutes. Uh, uh, what's good in Hollywood with Mark Matthews. And then Jermaine, you're back with uh, two books. With two books, keeping the tradition alive as uh, having one geared for the kids although there's stuff the adults can get from it too and dipping into one of the classics by one c.s lewis oh okay i'm looking forward to uh, to hear about that so that's in about 15 minutes uh book ends with jermaine bagnell and now jermaine have you i know you travel a bit uh, uh certainly in canada you do but have you had a chance to been to go to the holy land I have not. You it have is not. high, high on my list, uh, but I have yet to make my way out there. So when, when most people go, like the traditional pilgrimages, the, there's these places where they go. And I don't think that going to Magdala is uh, a common destination, although it is in some pilgrimages. So Magdala, of course, is, is, is the hometown of uh, Mary Magdalene, mm-hmm. Mary of Magdala. Mm-hmm. And in Magdala, there's a center, a tourist center called the Magdala Center, um, and they say that it's the crossroads of Jewish and Christian history because it's right on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. Um, and uh, they've been, uh, there's an archae- archaeological find oh. what, of what they say is, uh, well, they're pretty sure that it's a first century synagogue. So this is a, a synagogue that would have been there when Mary Magdalene was alive. Probably, I mean, who knows if Jesus ever went to Magdalene, went to the synagogue, he might have been inside the synagogue. Oh, wow. So today we're going to be speaking with Father Eamon Kelly, who works at the Magdala Center in the Holy Land, and he's going to tell us about what they do, about what you can find there. Uh, People, you can go and volunteer there. There you go, Jermaine. You could go and volunteer there for three months or or two weeks or or, or something. Uh, Obviously, tell us about the archaeological finds and, uh, and then the opportunities for interfaith dialogue because it's a place where Jews as well as Christians uh, want to uh, visit. So that's in about... 25 minutes in our second half hour. And then at the end of the program, we're going to meet another singer-songwriter. Um, he, he's one I had not heard of, Patrick Briley. And he's been making some excellent, excellent music, uh, putting out singles. And now he's working on a new album. And so we're going to get to meet him and listen to some of his music. And that. so that's all coming up. Good show Fantastic. today. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to, to tune in to all these other segments. Exactly. So um, a reminder to all of our listeners, if you cannot listen to the whole show, be sure to go to our website, SOMedia.org, where you can podcast the show. You can also listen to this program as a podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Okay, so Jermaine, let's start with a song. Here's Pat Briley with his single, Solomon. I'll set you as a seal upon my heart. As a seal upon my arm, upon my arm. For your loving is more jealous than the grave, as fierce as a raging flame. Oh, what a flame! Oh, the lover of my soul, 
one look and I was sore I will long for my beloved one Ain't no river, ain't no flood That could satisfy this love I will long for my beloved one Sweetest honeycomb, radiant you shine of finest gold. More beautiful than I have ever known. When looking, I was shaken to the bone. Oh, you're the lover of my soul. I will long for my beloved one Ain't no river, ain't no flood That could satisfy this love I will long for my beloved Briley with his single, Solomon, and we're going to be speaking with Patrick Briley in about 40 minutes or so, so I hope that you can uh, stick around for that. And now it's time for What's Good in Hollywood with our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews. Hello, Pedro. Mark, welcome back. You know, I was Thank just reading—I was just reading that line, "What's good in Hollywood," and and I saw what's God in Hollywood. 
<laughs> what's God? That, that would well, be a I mean, good that title kind of what we talk about. Yeah, who, what's God in is, Hollywood? What is God doing? Who do people see God exactly. as in Hollywood? So exactly. And now we don't. Who needs God? Because we have artificial intelligence. A- we got AI chatbots. They <laughs> no. will fulfill all of our questions, needs, desires, and take over the world and enslave us all. No, all of all of our questions. I don't think so. I'm sure that we can find a question that the AI chatbot cannot answer. You know, well, here's the surprising thing. They're actually surprisingly good at answering questions about a Catholic apologetics. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so, like, can you friends. explain, like, like, can I say, like, can you explain, like, excommunication? Yeah, oh, yeah, totally could. It could be, give me the differences between Protestants and Catholics, you know, sola scriptura, all that kind of stuff. So. Okay, so how, how, does it, how does that work? How does it work? That's a great question. So that's actually what I want to talk about today. So you, you've probably seen, so the... the the website everyone's talking about is ChatGPT, yep. and it, this is research that has been in labs for the last few years. So those of us who work with it, such as myself, I'm an AI researcher. I work more in computer graphics side, but I know all about vision models. Yeah, we've 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 seen this stuff coming for a long time, but this is the first time the public has getting their hands on it, and now everyone's going, "Oh my goodness, this is going to change everything." Yeah. Um, and. And so, so, so it's funny. Other technological trends, you know, we talked about NFTs before. I was like, this is just hype, you know, don't believe the hype. I'm here today to tell you that this is actually probably an, an authentically transformational technology. I do expect these type, this type of language technology, we call them large language models, chatbots, whatever, will fundamentally change, you know, us, our humanity. How, okay, and how, we, I, how we interact with technology. Yeah, so. no, and I'm sure you're going to explain why you think that, but can you just back up a little bit? So what's the difference between this and let's say Google or Alexa or even mm. Siri where I ask a question and it mm-hmm. gives me a pretty good answer? I mean, Google gives me a pretty mm. good answer. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Alexa is not bad. Siri is pretty good. Yeah. You know, that's that's a great question. I would just say that these new models are much, quote unquote, smarter that with any other previous like technologies like that it would kind of give it would just pick up on say a few words or something like that and and it could um you know direct you to the right sources whereas this i could uh, i asked it i said could you please write a rap about saskatoon which is my home city right and it spit out this perfectly rhyming you know hip-hop lyrics that were really good so so it's sort of what science fiction's science fiction writers have been writing about for a long time of like sort of can you give it real intelligent almost reasoning capabilities um so it's it's uncanny how good these new models are yeah no and i've heard in fact that it was in the news recently and that's how i heard about it was because it, it got testy with people like actually yeah, yeah, some, some people exactly. got, got to rile it up and it got you know like almost emotional and threatening people yeah 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 so, 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 okay. So these amazing things are happening with AI. Uh, it's kind of like, should we expect the end of the world now? Um, my answer is no. <laughs> I want to okay, talk a good. little bit basically about how these things work. Cause if you understand how they work, it'll help you understand yep. kind of what the real risks are. All right. Um, they basically are statistical models of words. They are very good word predictors predictors. So any of these AI techniques, you need to have, first of all, a lot of data. 
you need to train them with an extremely large amount of data. So this would have like billions of pages of text scraped from the internet and books and news sites and all sorts of things like that. And then what it does, it has the very simplest models um, would just say predict, I don't know, the next letter kind of a thing. And in their simplest form, it could learn to create things that look like English words, but maybe kind of like aren't English words, right? And then as they get a step better and the models are made, more complex and by model i basically mean ai mm-hmm. that it could start to make what look like coherent sentences uh but none of the sentences would you know at kind of mesh with each other or follow a real train of thought um and then now these new models which are even more complicated you know have gotten to the point where they can create entirely coherent paragraphs of text if not like an entire essay now and the, it's it's interesting because the way they're actually trained is uh, it will show it a block of text and it will take out a few words and it will say, can you predict what the missing words are? Mm. And and so it's basically sort of learning to recreate text. But that's fundamentally what these methods are based on. And so the key thing here is that it, it's basically it's only it's only learning to mimic what we have done. It, they're very very good at mimicry, right? Um, and and so any of like the Catholic apologetics I was just talking about, it would have had to have read other Catholic apologetics articles and things mm-hmm. like that. So mm-hmm. it's not like it actually figured these things out or it has reason or is become going to convert to Catholicism or anything like that. So right, because the it's other not... thing. Yep. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say because it's not conscious. It has no consciousness. Well, yeah, and, and, and that's that's kind of like my other main point is people are asking it. They're going, are you conscious, you know, and trying to you know figure out is this thing conscious or not? And so here's what I would say as a computer programmer. I could just write a program that says, if user asks, are you conscious, then respond yes. And, you know, people would be like, oh, my goodness, it's conscious. Um, but, yeah. but it's not. And, and so th- this is kind of like where we really have to dig a little bit deeper and ask ourselves, well, what does it actually mean to be conscious? You know, mm-hmm. how do you actually define this? And this is a question philosophers have been asking for thousands of years. Yeah. And we honestly, we still don't really have a good answer for it. So um, on the other hand, that's not going to stop us from getting fooled by it. Um, and I would say distracted by it that, that I think, there will be, I'm sure there will, there will be many, many, many new applications of this technology and markets, but one of the ways it will be marketed, I'm sure, is as a virtual friend. Mm-hmm. Like you could almost start having a conversation with this. And so we crave social interaction and a sense of belonging. But then as technology continues to evolve, we might find ourselves increasingly relying on it to fulfill those needs, sort mm-hmm. of uh, becoming a, a saccharine sort of substitute. So that's something I think we need to 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 watch out for. So. Interesting, but at this point, it's just you type it and it gives you a written response. It doesn't actually speak out like Alexa no, or Siri. No, right? I mean that that's not too hard to add. That, to it'll like come. Put in speech yeah. recognition, yeah, but yeah. It, it won't be too long. But 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 the main my main point is it's just sort of like a tool. It's a force multiplier at this point. It's a very powerful tool. It could be used in a lot of good ways and and bad yeah. ways too. Yep. But as a society, we're coming to grips with it. So. Yeah, yeah, I've heard the concern about students using it to write essays and stuff, and I'm sure that the universities will will figure out a quick way to to identify it, to whether catch it, it was, actually yeah. it's surprisingly difficult. And believe it or not, I use ChatGPT to write one line of what I talked about today. So I'll leave that to our listeners to figure out which Ooh. line that was. Ooh. Okay, I wonder if it can learn to write code so it can program itself. 
Ooh, and then it'll become smarter, and then the singularity will come. <gasps> all right, all that coming up in the next edition of What's Good in Hollywood? What's God in What's Hollywood? What's Good in the Singularity? It'll be the What's, singularity. Oh, then. my goodness. Okay, now you lost me. Now we're in the Matrix. Yeah. All right, well, um, so th- th- that is what's good today. That, that, that is, it is, it is, it is, it is ultimately a good. It's an, it's a technology that is fundamentally neutral that can be used for good. Can be or used for, for good. Okay. But at least yeah. it can help you with your Catholic apologetics. Okay. So thank you, Mark. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. What's good in Hollywood? What's good in singularity with Mark Matthews, our undercover Hollywood missionary. You can follow him at HU missionary. Hey, this is Ali Alia, musician and speaker, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. The Salt and Light Hour podcast is available at slmedia.org and wherever you get your podcasts, subscribe, and the show will be delivered right to your device. And now it's time for Book Ends with Jermaine Bagnall, who's got two books. Yep. Two books, two books for everybody, as per usual, keeping it uh, one for the kids and one for the adults. Okay. Although the kids' one can be for the adults. It so, always is, I know. Oh, always is. Uh, so the first one is by C.S. Lewis, by C.S. Lewis, and this is a book I had not read prior. It's called The Four Loves. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yes. it, it yes. really caught my eye because, you know, the Catholics, the whole thing about the faith, is leading with love, is all about love. So I yep. was like, okay, what does he have to say about it? And he broke down love into four types. And he, mm-hmm. as he describes in the book, going from the least to the highest form of love. Okay, yes. Yeah, and the, the first one he talked about is the need love, the most basic and most common. You know, think of the parent-child relationship, that it's not natural, it's automatically present. And it's yep. not one that necessarily has to be cultivated. And the thing that I I liked about when he's describing this, uh, he doesn't just talk about the positive. He talks about the dangers of it. If, if we don't maintain that highest form of love, which we'll get to that each type of love can kind of go left. So example within this one, you know, if somebody within the family has really bad behavior and, and not just bad behavior, but just all out doing bad things Mm -hmm. but there's the expectation that everybody should love them you know that stems to narcissism you know right and um that yeah that that's where that love uh turns left yes Uh, he goes into the higher form of of love which being friendship and you know we could think of that as the family we chose Mm -hmm. and it's beautiful you have a common bond it's what brings people together uh, but this one is a bit more fleeting, that sort of love, because it's very circumstantial. Like my best friend, we've been friends for over 20 years, but we met at university. What if we had met at university? You know, that that sort of thing. It, it's, right. So there's a fleeting nature to it, but a really positive thing because we're choosing. But right. again, if we're missing that love of God, that can also go left. You know, this exactly. is where we get into, get into cliques. And we can see that's in our own faith uh, mm-hmm. and taken to the furthest degree where you can get like, nationalism gone right completely completely awry right you know, yeah he gets into eros romantic love you know the, think of the sacrament of marriage that sort of thing but then without god in there it again go goes goes awry so the thing that i really liked as i was reading this book is like oh, okay i i could see how 
this has played out, uh, I've seen in, in media, how I've seen in facets of my own life, uh, but also seeing that when we hang on to that uh, unconditional God love, where think of the idea that we're supposed to love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind. And when, mm-hmm. if we're able to put that love first and foremost, how much more we're able to love all those around exactly, us. Exactly, exactly. So all, all the levels are good, but they need to be rooted in that highest form, which is agape love, the love of God. I read The Four Loves, wow, a long time ago, probably when I was in university. So maybe it's uh, mm-hmm. time for me to go back and reread it since yeah. uh, you inspired yeah, yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I th- although like forewarned for some folks, it does get a bit dense, but I think it does uh like Luce does a great job of crystallizing how we can enact out our faith and our love in all of our relations. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And that's easy to find the four loves by CS Lewis. You can probably find that at any bookstore or or uh, download the Kindle version. Yeah. It, it, exactly. Okay. And definitely rec- highly recommend it. Uh the next one. Yep. Another kid's book, but not just for the kids. This one is called The Seed Who Was Afraid to Be Planted. It's by Anthony De Stefano, illustrated by Erwin Madrid. It's a really cute and interesting book. When I started reading it, I thought this was like a new version of the parable of the sower, you know, thinking of the, the different soils. Uh, but as I read on, I realized this is all about that that mustard seed. But the precursor to the mustard seed being a tree you know okay mustard seed that is being called to something more being called to greatness but being being afraid within the book the the sower is coming to pluck the seed from the little nursery but he's like oh no i don't want to go i'm comfortable and safe in my cozy little little space i don't want to go to this unknown and it's it's beautiful because even though this little seed doesn't want to go to what it's been called to do, it's planted. And in when it's actually planted in soil, you see the little excitement kind of take on. It's like, oh, what's this? What's happening? Oh my goodness, my I've sprouted leaves. I've I'm becoming more. Oh my goodness, I'm a tree and birds are hanging around with me. You know, and even though it's a really simplistic way of breaking it down, it's it's a reminder as adults, if you're reading this to your children or your nieces or nephews, that we are, we all have a purpose. We are called yeah. to something and, and it's okay to be afraid. You know, it is okay to be afraid for, from this, this unknown of where you're going to be, but it's all about what we do with that fear. You know, like God will place us somewhere and it's just, if you do the thing that you're called to, we, you know, you'll be quite surprised with, with the results that, yeah. that can come out and for for kids i think this is a little bit easier because they're um tainted by the world and they're like oh okay i'm a little seed i'm just gonna go forward and, and exactly go forward. Not, and yeah. yeah and and we're I'm, I'm not a parent yet but you know one of the great things i've heard is like as parents we're not necessarily raising kids we're, we're cultivating them. yes and you know and we get to really see like when these little seeds are cultivated and they become big mustard trees and uh, yeah, there's mm. a, a bit of yeah, there's a bit of beauty there for the kids to see and and a firm and beautifully illustrated reminder for us adults. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit about, and I'm sure that there are books about you know the caterpillar afraid to become a butterfly, you know, mm-hmm. because they don't know that what being a butterfly is. So you're you don't you're afraid to let go of what you have. That's a huge spiritual 
uh, lesson for adults. I mean, about, mm-hmm. you know, dying to what you are now so that you can be something better. Um, yeah. And I think that's, that a great goes lesson. for both cradle Catholics and uh, oh, for everyone. Reverts. It's yeah. A everyone bit of... is not, not even for Christians at all. I mean, it's a book oh, for, for, true. it's a lesson for it, for anyone. So the seed who was afraid to be planted by Anthony De Stefano, mm-hmm. illustrated by Irwin Madrid, and that's published by Sophia Institute Press. Um, and then The Four Loves, a classic by C.S. Lewis. Can't go wrong with that one. Um, as we go into Lent, Germain, maybe that's something else people can take on, you know? P- pick up The mm. Four Loves by C.S. Lewis and uh, and uh, and read about that. And maybe that experience can uh, help you be the little seed who's not afraid to be planted. And then maybe by Easter, you can be a big mustard seed. How's that? How's that? I love it. I lo- look at that tie together. I love wow, that tie I together. I love how to tying everything together. Okay, good. Jermaine, uh, thank you. Have a uh, blessed Lenten season and uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Fantastic. And same to you, Dayton Pedro. Jermaine Bagnell is our book contributor. He's also the producer of the Salt and Light production, Working in Faith. You can watch that at eselmedia.org and you can follow him at Jermaine Bagnell. Coming up in our second half hour, we learn about the Magdala Center in the Holy Land and we meet singer-songwriter Patrick Briley, so don't go anywhere. Welcome to the Sultanite Hour, Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. The first time I traveled to the Holy Land, I stayed at the Notre Dame Center in Jerusalem. Maybe some of you have stayed there. The guest house is a pontifical institute, but is managed by the Legionaries of Christ. A few years ago, the Legionaries felt that Christ was leading them to build a retreat center in the Galilee. And the place? Magdala. When the construction began in 2009, they discovered the remains of a synagogue dating to the first century. Needless to say that this place, Magdala, is a place of history for both Jews and Christians, but also a place of pilgrimage and reflection. And to tell us more, I am now joined by Father Eamon Kelly, who works and lives in Magdala. Father Eamon, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. It's good to be with you. What a privilege to be with you, Deacon Pedro, here from Magdala at the Sea of Galilee. Absolutely. Now, I'm sure that people have heard of Mary Magdalene. Sometimes she's called Mary of Magdala. That is the town. That's where you are right now. Well, that's what the claim is. <laughs> <laughs> so if people if people go to Magdala, what do they see? Like, what is there to do? You said there's ruins, that there's a center, there's a pilgrimage or a visitor center. Tell us a little yeah. bit about what people can see and do there. So uh, Magdala has really three parts to it. Uh, there's uh, the part of the Franciscans, which they have been developing for 130 years. And uh, it's an archaeological site that's very rich in archaeology, going back about 17, uh, 1,700 years of archaeology from Hellenic times up to Ottoman period. So let's say 2,300 years ago up into the Ottoman Empire period. And then there's another piece of property just recently developed last year, uh, last year meaning uh, a year and a half ago now, and we have another synagogue across the street, and that's state property or, or public authorities' properties. And then there's the piece of land that the legionaries, we bought uh, uh, four different pieces of property. 
from about 2006 to 2009 in a three-year period. Can I interrupt you? Um, you you mentioned this. You said across the street there's a synagogue. You mean the ruins of the synagogue or or an actual synagogue? Exactly, the ruins of the synagogue so, from two thousand years ago. Now so that's the this, second synagogue because we found. I was just going to tell you we found another one. Okay. Know, the first thing that we found was right under where we were going to build our guest house. Tell me about that. So so this is the first century synagogue. Exactly. So we believed- go back to two thousand nine. Uh, in that process, we found a synagogue from the time of Jesus. So then. Um, the, the discovery entailed a synagogue for to see maybe 150, 200 people. We're talking about 120 square meters space, wow. about 11 by 11, more or less. And then uh, there were pillars in there. We have found remnants of significant size remnants of a number of square meters of mosaic tiling on the floor. Yes. And also fresco paintings on the walls. And this is very significant because these fresco paintings and the mosaic patterns are similar to what's found in Pompeii, which was built by the richest Romans. Right. So I always heard that Jesus was, you know, um, working with the poor fishermen. But actually, we're looking at a town that's very well-to-do. It's a prosperous town, or at least it's a prosperous community. You're that right. want to put in their savings, if that's the way they're going about it, into one of their most important spots, which is their synagogue. And mm. now we found a second synagogue. We the it was found this uh, year and a half ago up across the road, 160 yards from our synagogue. And by the way, Deacon Pedro, you have a lot of experience in the church, and you've met a lot of priests. When is the first time you ever heard a priest saying "our synagogue"? N- never, never. You're definitely <laughs> the first one. Our synagogue. I know, but it's wonderful. But I was going to ask you about that because it sounds like Magdala would not just be a pilgrimage, if I can call it that. Place for Christians, but also for Jews. I wonder if the Jews would call it a pilgrimage place, but they definitely would come with great reverence. Yes, they would come with great, uh, let's say, cur- cultural curiosity. Right. Obviously, there, yeah, maybe I'm not sure if the listeners are familiar, but um, um, let's say the more Orthodox Jews are very reluctant to enter a Christian space, of course, and particularly a Christian church, and and, and many of them still carry uh, live a prohibition of entering a church. But um, obviously, the synagogue is a Jewish institution. And then they come to visit and they are astonished by, they probably get goosebumps there, you know. In fact, I say that the Jewish people get goosebumps because we have the oldest menorah, the seven branch candelabra ever found. And that's one of the features on the famous Magla stone. You Tell us about all that. The, yeah. yeah, you can see it all on the website there, magla.org, just to check out, see pictures of it. But we have this, there's in the center of the synagogue, there's a Magla stone. We call it that. It's dubbed like that. All the media call it the Magdala Stone. And this uh, stone is a unique artifact found in the center of the floor of the synagogue, a little bit off-center, but in the central area. And it was on the floor level where we found it. And it is a piece of limestone from Mount Arbel just across the street. And it's carved with all the symbols that of the most important things in the temple, according to predominant interpretation by archaeologists because they've never had anything before so they have to interpret what they have and try to understand what it mm-hmm. means but the menorah is is indisputable and many of the other pieces on the stone are also a traditionally well-known uh, symbolic things so we have the menorah the altar of incense we have two jars two columns which were very famous in the temple because they had nicknames boaz and yachin Really? And then on the top of the stone, we have showbread of the temple, which is very interesting. I don't know if you're familiar with Brand Petrie. Yes, um, I am. 
He's a wonderful. Yes, uh, he's been on this show. Yes. Oh, fantastic. So then I would like to give him a shout out there because I'm actually just reading a book. He has written about the biblical roots of the Eucharist and one of them is on the showbread. And I think that's kind of an element of the biblical tradition and practice that has been under the radar for us. We haven't spoken enough about it. And I think this is going to be an interesting topic that we need to look into more because there's also roots of the Eucharist are in the showbread. Fascinating. Yes, of course. Yes, and, and, and I really recommend that book, the, the Biblical Roots of the Eucharist. Yes, it is a wonderful book. In fact, Brand Petrie was on this program talking very exactly about that book when it first came out a couple of years ago. Um, okay. Father Eamon, we're almost out of time, but I wanted to ask you, so people, obviously, we want to encourage people to visit Magdala if they have the opportunity to go to the Holy Land, but they don't necessarily have to go because you might have some programs that are available online for people. Can you tell us about some of the programs that are available for people who are there, but also for people who can join from wherever they may be? Well, you're right, honored, uh, uh, Deacon Pedro, because we just started our next virtual pilgrimage. And if you just go on the Magla website, they'll find a post on it for sure, magla.org. And then it's on YouTube, uh, in the English Magla English YouTube channel. It's a new channel. And this is a pilgrimage. It's called the Pilgrimage of Freedom. And it's under the name of Exodus because it's dealing with Exodus from Egypt and slavery into freedom, which is also the freedom that's won by the Ten Commandments, and then which have their full development in the moral life of the redeemed person and the Beatitudes and the the virtues. We have another big event at the end of March. It's the Women's Encounter. Every year we have it, whereby Muslim, Jewish, and Christian women participate and others. Okay. And it's a very interesting, and each year has a different topic. Maybe we can cover it on another occasion. And then yep. at the end of July, and around the Feast of Mary Magdalene, the 22nd, we have a youth fest. Right. This is going to start on the 21st of July until the 31st, just before the World Youth Day in Lisbon, so that young people can come to the Holy Land and do a pilgrimage. Oh, wonderful. Have this youth fest with some very interesting um, musical Christian musicians from especially Latin America. Wonderful. Very alive and pumping energy. And then go on to the World Youth Day with Pope Francis, God willing, in August. In Okay. Wonderful. And and so people can find out about all of those opportunities at the website magdala.org. Father Eamon. I'm so sorry. We are going to have to bring you back because this, we just don't have enough time to to talk about everything that we need to talk about today. But it's been, uh, I think, really good to plant the seed. If people are planning a pilgrimage or going to yes. to Israel, make yes. a point of of taking a little detour and and visiting Magdala. Um, oh, absolutely! It's becoming a central stop on pilgrimage routes now. But yes, actually, you know, they can come to Magdala every day. They should try my live stream in the morning at sunrise. Oh, oh yes! Roll and chat on Instagram for two or three minutes, on Facebook for about 15 minutes, and that goes up on YouTube. And so you have a link for that, a, a link. At, okay, in good. I, I We will share that link on our on our website so people can find it easily. Yes, uh, you can watch the sun rise at, at, the, sea uh, Galilee, every morning. at the Sea of Galilee every morning with a, not just the sun rising, but a, a wonderful daily reflection with Father Eamon Kelly. So lots of good things for people to do for Lent, actually. Maybe that's one, yes. something that people can do every morning for Lent. They can join you yes. uh, for that uh, for that sunrise. And then uh, the Exodus pilgrimage, of course, and the Women's Encounter at the end of March. Um, right. Father Eamon, thank you so much for uh, spending a little bit of time with us today. And we hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you, Deacon Pedro. What an invitation. God bless all the people of salt and light here from the Sea of Galilee.
Thank you. You can learn all about Magdala and the Magdala Center, how to make a pilgrimage as pilgrimage season is starting up, book your stay at their beautiful guest house, and also learn about all the programs that Father Eamon mentioned, the Exodus Pilgrimage and the Women's Encounter, at their website, magdala.org. Um, and I'll post links to Father Eamon's morning sunrise reflections over the Sea of Galilee on our website, slmedia.org podcast. That's also where you can listen to the full program. Here now is Patrick Briley with his newest single, Best As I Can. I've been hearing songs about love that just ain't right. It ain't a feeling, it ain't an obsession, it's a sacrifice. And I could sing about how I'd offer up my life for you And believe me, three and three would be five if that wasn't true But I won't say I love you just because I'm supposed to It's what you deserve For me to be honest with you I know that I'm a broken man But would you be so kind As to take my hand I promise you that No matter what happens I'll treat you right Just as best as I can Best as I can I'll give you my love Just as best as I can And I could put some promise to a tune. But I'm not here for feeling alright I'm here for you So I, I won't say I love you just because I'm supposed to That was Patrick Briley with his newest single, Best As I Can. Patrick Briley grew up in California. He graduated with a nursing degree from Franciscan University uh, in Steubenville, but he has been doing music for a long time. He spent many years studying music theory. He plays the piano and guitar. He writes music. He used to play in a jazz band and regularly performed in a local restaurant. He has lots of original music, some that we've been listening to today. And he's been releasing singles throughout the year, but Patrick is working on an album that he crowdfunded. And so to tell us more, I am now joined by Patrick Briley. Pat, welcome to the Sultanite Hour. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. So you grew up in California. What, what was that like? like yeah, was it was good. Like? I, yeah, I grew up in Salinas, California. Um, I have four siblings Yeah, raised in a Catholic family. Um, it was good. A very 
my, we were always raised like to piano lessons, playing music, stuff like okay. that. My dad was in a couple bands when he was my age. Um, okay, yeah, because I was going to ask you about yeah. So I always want to ask about growing up Catholic and growing up with yeah. music. So you clearly had both. Yeah, but we weren't really like we never really played music with each other. It was, you know, oh, it's kind of weird, but interesting. But, but we each each kind of kid, except for the youngest, kind of stuck had their own little um, instrument. Or my sister sang, my brother played the guitar, I played the piano. Um, yeah, really? so we all had our own thing. Yeah. So and there's no desire to play together or to play with your dad. Uh, when we were, I don't, I don't know. It was weird, you know. That's when we funny. were teenagers, yeah, we just never, never really did. I mean, kind of now and then, like when I, when my mom turned fifty, you know, my yeah. dad like put together the the family band, right? And, right, and right. we played some music for her, and and we would do some. Um, my dad would like, especially as I, I was kind of the, the kid that the sibling that took to it the most. Okay, and you know, my dad was pretty. He he really taught me a lot of guitar. And, you know, took me to a lot of lessons and all that right. kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, we never really sat down and played together. So so it's not like all you guys all sang with the church choir or or played music at church together? No, not together, no. Not but together, we all but did. you did. Yeah, or at least my, my oldest sister and I, yeah. Yeah, you did. So, but when you were writing music, like, like how much of it, like when you were playing, like, at the local restaurant or, or, or playing with the jazz band, like, was there like the, was there like a, a separation? Do you think sometimes between your music and your faith or was it sort of, did it feel like it was all yeah, kind of together? Definitely when I was in high school. Yeah, definitely. I, I had, I had a sincere faith in high school, but it yep. wasn't very, um, wasn't very profound. It wasn't very deep, you know? Okay. Um, yeah. and, and so like my music was just kind of like a separate thing. And I would kind of play for a youth group and things like that now and then, but it wasn't until I went to Franciscan that I really started to, the two started to kind of come together, you know? Right. And obviously you went to Fran, nobody goes to Franciscan unless they really have a desire to go to a Catholic <laughs> university. Yeah, yeah. So, so I guess that yeah. you were already, you were looking for that kind of experience or that kind of deepening yeah. of your faith in a, in a university. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's definitely the case. And I think especially at Franciscan in the time that I was there, um, there was like this flourishing of, of music songwriters and um, okay, yeah. People say like everyone at Franciscan plays guitar, you know, which is kind of true. Yeah. But um, and you know, kind of from my sophomore to junior to senior year, I saw a big transition. They built a new music center. They they've been investing a lot of money in music. They have hired um staff to minister to musicians on campus and oh, okay, friends and relationships were coming together. We were going on retreats and songwriting retreats and. Um, things like that so it all kind of came junior senior year is kind of when it came together when my my songwriting and my love for um like jazz and soul music and things like that and kind of came together um i had community i had people to support me and encourage mm -hmm. me of course we had time and space for it you know right um, okay so it wasn't yeah until i was at franciscan that those things all kind of came out you know yet you decided to study <laughs> nursing and not music yeah yeah <laughs> tell me about that yeah i um i made that decision when i was 18 you know in in like senior <laughs> year of high school yeah. and in hindsight especially now that i'm starting my career as a nurse now like you know five or six months in i realized like i didn't even know like god was just so good to me in putting that desire in my heart because it's mm -hmm. just uh, just the the 12 hour shifts and the kind of the work that you do it, i really enjoy it it's it's really good for me um but yeah, I, I didn't, 
I, I didn't like, I want to have, I want to have a family, you know, I'm engaged right now. We're getting married later this year. Right. Hopefully. Yes. Um, there's still, it's still kind of up in the air, the date, but, but um, yeah. So, and I didn't, I didn't want music to be the, the thing I didn't want to play music because I had to, you know? Yeah. I wanted to have yeah. something that I enjoyed that, makes that sense. could support me and then I could, enjoy, I could do music um, outside of that, you know, and not, not be stressed out, I guess. Yeah, I no, got to play these that, gigs. I really don't want to play. I got to write yeah. songs when I don't really feel like it. You know, right? No, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, and and if you have a heart for nursing, I mean, that's where you should go because it's not for everybody. Yeah. And, and <laughs> yeah, I can yeah. imagine. So after the pandemic, how are things? You're in Pennsylvania now. Like, how are things? Yeah. Is it like because here in Canada, it's really rough. We need nurses in Canada if you want to move. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like seriously, yeah. it's it's um, a lot of burnout. Oh yeah, I I see that here all the time. Um, and it's, it's, it's really not, it's not horrible, horrible at the, the unit that I'm in. I'm in like the greater Philadelphia area. Okay. Um, I work on a stroke floor and it's, I kind of, you know, going through school was right in the thick of COVID. Mm. And now I think we've kind of gotten out of the, the real heat of that. Fortunately, you know, like I have friends that graduated then or just started working then. Mm-hmm. And they really, I think, got a lot of the brunt of, or the whatever the yeah, word is. I can imagine. Yeah. Is it, uh, I, you're not in a Catholic hospital, are you? No, I wish. No. Okay. No. So do you find that a challenge or is it, is it difficult at times? Um, yeah, it's, it's a pretty, uh, pretty woke um, hospital system, I guess, if, if you will, <laughs> which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but I, so far I work nights, so I don't really deal with a lot of, the the doc you know a night shift is kind of just like just keep them alive you know and let the day shift make the big decisions and so i don't right 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 i no, mean that's that's, always, that's a joke right you know it's not serious, it is but, no i know um, i think i know what you mean and 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 yeah. at the same time i think it's important to have people of faith strong faith working in a secular yeah, environment yeah. like that because you're probably helping out in ways that other people yeah yeah exactly and even couldn't. just last yeah. it, it's just so great to have that to be able to make that connection with people and people yeah. are more open to yeah people are. are more you know religious and, and they faith, are you know, many more christians than i think people really realize yeah no i know so just like the other night i had a, a patient that was like um this uh old you know protestant lady and she was just saying she was this african-american protestant lady and i was drawing blood and she was saying like Oh, bring the blood of Jesus in here tonight. Replete the blood, Jesus. Oh, amen. Bring the blood in this needle tonight. The devil had no no business making my blood pressure that high, you know. That's <laughs> it great. It was just this hilarious, and we just had this great connection. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's yeah. true. That's that's the, a blessing right there. What what a yeah. wonderful, uh, I guess, uh, opportunity. Um, tell me a little bit about the album. So you 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 crowdfunded it. You've you've all recorded. Uh, is it all recorded? And you're releasing singles. Yeah um yeah it's all recorded we're we're putting the finishing touches on the last tracks um yeah and we're gonna gonna release it kind of throughout the next few weeks and months some singles and then around easter time release the full album okay so it'll yeah it'll be like probably a single or two every month and right then around easter the whole thing so yeah. i'm always i'm always very interested in in how artists pick titles for their albums so you you you're calling your album as I am, or at least oh no, so so that's that's just one of the, the that's e- just that's one of the EP. tracks. Okay, oh, yeah, okay. so that's one of the tracks. So the the title of the album is just going to be self self titled Pat Briley. Oh, okay, which was a, a suggestion of uh, my father, um, and because kind of the the issue that I've struggled with with music has been this perfectionism and this 
constantly like a sculpture you just like want to chisel it away more and more until you've totally ruined the the art you know um I, yeah. i've always struggled with scrupulosity and things like that okay and so when i was crowdfunding my goal was just to kind of like just take the the songs that i've written and just just do it just go send it get the money and record them and stop worrying about making them perfect okay and i originally the the title was going to be as i am and then i realized that bill withers has an album um <laughs> as i am so, darn and then my dad yeah made that suggestion and and so i um thought that what better way to kind of present myself and my music candidly yeah, yeah then to just self-title it you know yeah. yeah although with what you said as i am also works as a good title i mean maybe maybe that's like your subtitle or your in brackets yeah i don't know yeah well <laughs> at briley as yeah. i am because it's yeah it's as you are without making yeah. it too too perfect hopefully hopefully it doesn't need much perfectioning perfectioning yeah. perfecting because uh because it's good i mean certainly what we've been listening to is is really good pat i'm i'm really Thank enjoying you, yeah. your sound and i and again i i love how different you know like i've heard four tracks and and they're pretty different pretty unique yeah yeah as they are so that's kind of that's kind of cool um so i'm looking forward to to hearing more and uh and maybe hearing more of those jazz influences in there i don't yeah, know yeah 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 i really love that that kind of stuff that more complex yeah harmony and, and yeah exactly and yeah yeah some nice uh yeah. nice uh unusual chord progressions um, yeah yeah anyway pat uh thank you it's been great meeting you uh thank you for sharing a little bit about yourself with us today and what you do and uh um looking forward to more music so we can get get you back on the program yeah, yeah, of course. Thank you so much. It's an honor. I'm, I'm grateful to, to God for this opportunity um, to be with you guys and to share my music. Amen. Yeah. Thank you. You can find Patrick Briley on Spotify and on YouTube and actually anywhere where you listen to music. If you missed any part of this interview uh, or to listen to the whole program, you can head over to our website, slmedia.org slash podcast, because all our programs are archived there. Here now is Pat Briley with Like a Lion. Brighter than the sun rising in the east Taller than the mountains deeper than the sea Maker of it all, creator and our king Our king At the mention of the name the demons run and flee Chains are broken off, the slaves run free Come on, come on, death, where is your sting, your sting? Our God is like a lion. Our God is like a lion. Will not prevail, prevail. 
We're listening to Pat Briley with Like a Lion, and that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that you can find the Salt and Light Hour Catholic Podcast wherever you get your podcasts, but if you prefer, you can listen to all our shows at slmedia.org slash podcast. If you do the social media thing, you can look for me, Deacon Pedro, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also email me, Pedro, at slmedia.org. I, I promise I respond to every single email or message that I receive. You can visit us at our website, slmedia.org. That's where you can find out all about Salt and Light Media. And also, uh, take a look at our Lenten resources, slmedia.org slash Lent. Lots of uh, reflections and videos and all kinds of neat things there to help you on your Lenten journey. Thank you for being with us today. Remember to continue praying for peace, peace in Ukraine, peace in Nicaragua and Iran, um, uh, healing and uh, peace in Turkey and Syria and in so many other places where there is suffering and conflict. May you continue having a blessed Lenten season. Pray for each other and take care of each other. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour.